Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It is Monday. Welcome back to the Sean Spicer Show. I hope you did have a good and relaxing weekend. I did. Uh, and I enjoyed that extra hour. I really did. Although I hate the darkness. And that's what I'm going to see tonight. You know, when it starts, at least for us here in the mid-Atlantic region, it gets dark now at like 4, 10, 5. It's just, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like it. I'm already looking forward to springing ahead. How's that? Anyway, uh, I mentioned it a second ago. Debate prep is back. What is that? The morning of the debate, Wednesday morning and the day after the debate at 9 a.m. Eastern time, myself, Mark Halpern, Governor Scott Walker, and Gail Gitchow, a presidential veteran herself and GOP strategist, are going to do analysis of what we can expect at the debate, and then we'll do it after the debate on Thursday morning. You can watch live here on my YouTube channel if that's if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, or you can be part of my locals community and ask questions and interact with us. Uh, SeanSpicerShow.com slash VIP. Check it out. Go there. Be part of that community. You'll get invited to the live Zoom. Um, so much to break down after my conversation with Dave Rubin because uh, the poll numbers, I want to get to those and explain to you how that is changing everything. Today, Trump is in court in New York. He's actually taking the stand, talking about the value of his properties. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, plus, Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, I did a video with her at the state fair. You might recall that. It's still out there. She is endorsing Ron DeSantis. Now, what impact is that going to have? We'll see. Uh, they're still way behind when it comes to the polling of Iowa caucus goers from Donald Trump. Uh, can she break away? Can he break away from Nikki Haley? Again, I'll get into that. And then obviously what's happening here at home with this, uh, these Hamas protests over the weekend, downtown DC, absolutely disgusting. They were hanging on the gates of the White House, defacing monuments, vandalizing streets and shops, putting stuff all over the place. I was out Saturday night uh, in downtown DC after a game and it was unbelievable. Anyway, uh, I want to break that all down with the host of the Rubin Report, Dave Rubin. Let's welcome in Dave. Dave. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Ruben, good to see you. I hope that you have fallen back and you are solid there in Florida. I know how this falling back and spring ahead affects people differently, so I'm hoping you're all right. <laughs> yes, I am fine. The hour did cost me a little bit, but uh, as you know, I was in London all of last right. week, or as it's better known, London Stan, uh, for Jordan <laughs> Peterson's art conference, and I was going by Hamas rallies and everything else. I only mention that too because of the uh, the time change. I think it's a five-hour time change from Florida to London, and I had been in LA a couple of days before, so I don't know what day it is, what month it is. You're, you're Sean Spicer, though. Do I have that correct? Don Jr., actually. Don, Don Jr. Jr. It's good yeah. to be with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
No, I know. I get it. I, the funny thing about this, and you'll relate, is that when you have uh, kids and animals, they don't really care that you fall back. They're like, we're still getting up at the same time. So I used to love getting that extra hour until I realized that my kids and my dog don't care. And uh, But at least you were traveling, so that screwed everything up royally bigger. Indeed, indeed. Um, so look, you were talking about the Hamas uh, events and rallies and protests over there in London, but I'm here in, outside of D.C., I could not believe uh, I was downtown Saturday night after this thing and, and the paraphernalia, the signs, this looked like the women's march after Donald Trump had been inaugurated. It was that big and people were that upset. I, I, I just, I don't know if I'm blind to this issue, but I cannot believe that this many people are coming out supporting a terrorist organization and we didn't see it happening. Well, I'm a little surprised that you're surprised, actually, because, you know, watching BLM, which is a very coordinated, well-funded movement, basically flip the switch and turn into a pro-Hamas organization is actually not that surprising to me. You know, the way that they could get BLM to march through the streets and ransack businesses and then coordinate with Antifa and take down monuments and all that stuff. Remember, they can turn it on and they can turn it off. So it was on during the summer of love when Trump was president. And then even though BLM never sent a black kid to college or helped a young black person start a business or anything else, they basically disappeared appeared during the first two and a half years of the Biden administration because there was no use for them. They got the Democrats back into power and they're really just the pawns, the foot soldiers for, for the Democrats, which is we could do many hours on that. So I was not surprised to see any of this. They hand out the placards, they hand out the signs, they hand out the kefias. Uh, and these, these people you know, what would be interesting, and I think some people are trying to get some numbers on this, are what are the percentages of people showing up there? So you have a certain set of people who are genuinely Islamists, like who want to use Islam as a political power over the United States, over Western Europe, all of that. Then you have just kind of the BLM, Antifa, Tumblr, Twitter people that don't know what they're doing. They're just kind of lost and meaningless and they're out there. They don't know what they're chanting. Then you have, you know, kind of the activist class, which just gets all of the lefty organizations to pump their people out there. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, Sean, you know this. It is it, This is an unholy alliance forged in hell. This intersectional idea that somehow Hamas supporters and Islamists have anything in common with purple-haired trans asexual weirdos is not going to end well for one set, uh, which of course is the purple haired transsexual weirdos. They will be beheaded just a little bit lower on the neck from putting their head in the sand. Uh, and uh, I'm not surprised by any of the violence. I would say I'm, I'm slightly surprised by one thing, which is that if you look at the graffiti all over the White House, the paint and the stains all over the White House, the trash everywhere, I get, well, you know, I'm not totally surprised by this. I'm, I'm, it's disappointing, let's say, that nobody will be arrested. We have video that's of it. all of these people, yeah. and what does that tell you? So that's, I'm not surprised by that. I would, I guess, I'm like, like, overly disappointed or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I watched this stuff happening. Them going after the gates uh, of the White House, trying to break through, uh, defacing and vandalizing monuments throughout Washington D.C. I think, and I, the thing is, I, I get your point. Like, I'm not surprised, but I am in the sense that there wasn't the level of outrage that I saw. But what I, I, I guess the, the thing I am surprised and where I guess I'd, I'd kind of want to tease this out again with you is I get all these causes, the BLM, 
the LBGQ, PDQ, YCT56. I get all that. These are all liberal causes. What I didn't think is that you would see this many people rally to the, the side of a group of people that killed innocent civilians, took women and babies hostage. And, and I, I didn't see it being as big as it was, meaning I, I knew there was some, but the idea of spending your Saturday going out and running up and down streets in Washington, D.C., defacing monuments, et cetera, I didn't think you would see tens of thousands of people in the, in the nation's capital support that. And that's, that is a line. I get all the other liberal causes, but the idea that this many people said, I'm going to go out and rally on behalf uh, of a cause that kills innocent lives, I just, yeah, I'll admit. Yeah, I I, you know, it's interesting, Sean. I, I get, you know, it's what basically what you're saying is you're shocked, but you're not shocked because you're, you're not shocked because we know how these leftist organizations work. We've watched it over the last couple of years. So that's not shocking. But you're shocked at, say, the, the, speci the specificity yeah. to the barbarity of this one. Like, how could this not wake some people up? What I would say to that is, unfortunately, this is just the obvious endgame of what identity politics and modern leftism has wrought across the country and across the world. They have, and also you have to add that this is a TikTok generation, that this stuff is being fueled by algorithms. They don't know what's true. And by the way, just wait, because, you know, if, if you think that Israel is the issue here, this is not about Israel. This is, it, these people are trying to connect, disconnect the Jews from Israel. Well, if they right. can manage to do that, I'm fairly certain they could disconnect a guy named Sean Spicer from living in America. And that is really what this is because your Irish heritage or anyone's Italian heritage or Greek heritage or Jewish heritage or anything else is ironic, I guess ironically, far less indigenous to America. I, I can absolutely and obviously do defend the right for this country to be here, but that's really what they're going after. This is just sort of part one of what is the end game with these but, guys. But the thing that I find interesting about this, to keep going down this, is that it's really splitting the left, right? You, you've seen Biden stand strong initially, uh, at least statement-wise, with Israel. But then this weekend, and I want to read you what President Obama said that I, I think, because it's interesting, that he talks about the fact that uh, that there's issues on both sides. I mean, this sounds like their version of Charlottesville, that yeah. you have, it's not, the left is not unified on this. They're basically saying it's, blood, you know, every side has some issues on this. And my view was, you can argue that the, the, the geopolitics of Israel and the, and the 67 borders and occupation and all that. I get that. There is a broader, you know, geopolitical conversation to have. But at the end of the day, what Hamas did didn't come in and say, we're going to reclaim this area, or whatever. They went in and killed innocent civilians, which is something that's a step further than that's, it's a, literally a terrorist act. And you've got Obama and other people coming out and saying, you know, but they were kind of justified. They were, it's not as black and white as some people were saying. And I am fascinated by the split on the left. And I guess the question to you is, do you think that this becomes a bigger problem? Because the right largely is just firmly standing with Israel. 
It's the yeah, left look, that is look, splitting. There are some, I would say there are some, uh, some little fissures on the right. Let's say there's right, generally fine. more a libertarian class of people who want nothing to do with the world. I think the problem inherent with that, of course, is the world wants something to do with you, whether you want right. something to do with the world or not. The bad guys, whether you just say, okay, we're here, we don't want anything to do with anyone, the bad guys still kind of want you. And by the way, they're, they're in the country already because we've had open borders. But that, that I wouldn't say is sort of a movement based in hate or anything. That's a libertarian. Or right, right. Isolationism. They don't want the funding. It's right. A it's, funding a, it's a political. It's a political ideology. I think. I think you can be absolutely principled and defend that, even if I, even if personally, I think it's a little mistaken. What you're talking about, though, is how radical the left has become. And then you're talking about a group that that I think is still the key group of people in America in terms of swinging elections, which are the same liberals. And there used to be a lot of them. These are the Bill Maher liberals. This once was the JFK liberal, the Daniel Patrick Moynihan liberal. We've talked about this before. That group of people who maybe they want a little bit bigger government than say you want. They still maybe believe in some social programs or public education in a bigger way than, than you or I. But they're, they believe in America. They, they think that this found, the founding of this place was good. Well, now they are on the outs with the radical side of the party. And it will be up to whoever the leaders of the party are now. I don't know who they are. I mean, I don't think it's Joe Biden. I do think Obama's driving this. And you're right. Obama's statement was absolutely terrible. There has not been one Jew or Israeli in Gaza since 2005 when they left not only was there no occupation, there was no blockade. They left them with thousands of greenhouses, temples, infrastructure. They said, go build the Tel Aviv of Gaza. You're on the same Mediterranean Sea. You have the most gorgeous beach in the world. And instead, they decided for the ne next 17 years to get billions of dollars of funding so that they could build an army to, to hopefully, in their view, create a genocide, which is in their founding documents. And Obama thinks, oh, if we only had two states, which, by the way, the whole two-state thing was always a complete canard, because there would be three states. You would have the West Bank and Gaza. That would be two Palestinian entities on both sides of Israel. It was completely untenable and idiotic from the beginning. Uh, and Sean, just one other thing, since I'm on a tear this morning and my coffee is <laughs> obviously working, uh, there never was an occupation. There is no such thing as an occupation. As you know, uh, the British mandate for Palestine ended, meaning the British Empire called it wraps. They said, hey, guys, we got this land here. Hey, you Arabs, because there were no Palestinians at the time. You want some land? Jews, you want some land? The Jews said yes. The Arabs said no. Five armies attacked. They tried to kill them. And subsequently, they've launched, what, now seven, eight uh, wars over the years and lost every time. And they'll lose this one, too. And the game will continue. But yes, Obama is not a good player in this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. So I want to segue into to how the media is covering this, because it's something that I care about, and I know that you're a watcher of, but it, it's amazing. So Obama makes those comments, which I actually was shocked. I mean, Obama rarely weighs in, and here he is kind of knifing his own former VP because Biden is walking a, a tightrope here, politically speaking. Minnesota's got a, a, a huge community that he has to worry about. Michigan 
is a big swing state that he's got to be concerned about. I mean, these folks uh, are saying, we're not going to vote for you. We're not going to go out there. That, that in those swing states is a big deal. Obama coming out there really undermined him. But then you've got Bernie Sanders this weekend. He was on CNN. Bernie is Jewish. Dana Bash, the host, is Jewish. And Bernie Sanders says, I really don't know what from the river to the sea means. Uh, it could mean, and I was, I was like, it doesn't know what, and I'm like, wait a second, this is not some freshman delegate to the house of what, I mean, like he is a senior Senator and he's saying, I don't know what that means. It could mean a lot of things. And nobody's calling out the Obama's past support for Israel and, and acknowledging that this is a weird place for him. They're not calling out Bernie Sanders. They're not calling out Rashida Tlaib, her sort of uh, the, the, the stupid and hateful things that she's saying. I feel like to, that there is a, if this was the Republican party, as they did with Charlottesville, they rip it all apart and say, there's no equivocation. There's no, you know, there's black and there's white for these guys in the media. They're really becoming sympathetic to that other side. They, they've let the inmates run the asylum. This has been going on for years. And the question is, is there enough energy with wh whoever's left as a sane Democrat? And I really just don't know who that is at this point at a, at a national level. I, I get it. Someone's aunt that's watching this. Your, your aunt is a nice, sane Democrat. Okay, fine. But, but in terms of the people that are making policy and leading the party, there, there's no one left to fight the radicals. And I would say that, uh, you know what, if, if certain people want to abandon the Democrat party, party because they are being too pro-Israel, which by the way is just saying, Israel, you're allowed to respond. You're allowed right. to respond when <laughs> 1,500 of your people are killed and they've got 200, Amer 200 hostages. By the way, there's still about a dozen American hostages. I haven't seen Rashida Tlaib ask for their release or AOC or anything else. Why are there no protests in America except at the Israel protests saying, release the Americans, forget oh, they, Gaza. They, they, no, they are. They're ripping down the signs. They're ripping, right. They're yeah, exactly. So the point is, if if these people want to abandon the Democrat Party, I would say, by and large, that'll be good for Republicans, whether they vote Republican or not. I think that'll be good for Republicans. And whether it's Trump or DeSantis, that, that would be just fine with me. Yeah. Before I move on to this, I want to ask you domestically, Speaker Mike, Mike Johnson, the, the new speaker, has sort of bifurcated the Ukrainian and Israeli funding and then wants to offset that Ukrainian funding by cuts to the IRS. The media has lost their mind and said, <laughs> I can't believe he's doing this and it's going to be DOA in the Senate as if the, the House is supposed to just sit back and say, thank you, sir, for sending over that spending bill from the Senate. We will be ready to take it up when you're ready for us. Like they have an equal voice in this. We're spending billions of dollars. Um, what do you think about Johnson's approach to this. Oh, I think it's completely right. It's exactly what any <laughs> of us would want. Of course he's right. Think about it. Let, let's put aside everything I've just said about Israel. Let's put aside anyone's feelings about Ukraine. There are these two issues happening right now. Now, we happen to be in the business of funding things and arming things and everything else. Again, you could say that's all wrong. I've been super critical, obviously, of the Ukraine war because we, unlike Israel, we don't know who our allies are. We don't know if this has anything to do with Western values. We have no idea what the actual benefits of helping Ukraine are and Putin has nukes. But oh, removing all of that, if you were running a business, you don't just say, oh, all of these things have to be funded at the exact same time. These things that have nothing to do with each other. Right. So of course they should be disconnected. You can make someone in, in the Senate 
can make an argument for why you should have funding for, say, Israel, why you should have funding for Ukraine or not. But the idea that they're packaging them together and that Biden has basically said, if I don't get a package deal, I'm going to veto it. It shows you everything you need to know about the swamp. So I'm completely with Mike Johnson right. on this. Completely. With I am, too. You know, the funny thing is about the Ukraine funding. Uh, and I know that's separate because there's widespread Republican support for the funding in Israel. But the, the thing that I thought was brilliant about it, not just the offsets, but by separating the Ukrainian funding, it has to be dealt with. I actually, as somebody who, I, I believe that, that there is a bigger consequence if Ukraine were to fall. And that has to do with China because of Afghanistan, the, the fateful withdrawal there, Putin and others, what they've done. China's just watching and saying, how are you guys handle this? That being said, the thing that I find so funny about how the coverage of Ukraine's funding is being laid out is that you either support it or you don't. Now, my answer is, I think that that the way it's happened is this blank check. We just keep funding and we keep right. funding them. Obama's own State Department put out a report that talks about the massive corruption that's going on over there. And my point in what I think a lot of Republicans in the House have said, one, give us a plan to tell us what the end state is. What does victory look like and how do we achieve it? And actually giving Ukraine the tools they need to win when they need them, as opposed to saying, we're going to hand you a slingshot and hope that you win, as opposed to the, the weaponry that they're claiming they need. And two, some accountability for the money and the weapons that we're sending over there. And no one wants to talk about that. It was Ob Biden's State Department that issued the report saying there's widespread corruption and malfeasance. By the way, Sean, you're making, you're making a great point for two reasons. One reason is, right, do you just give blank checks to people and see what happens? We have no idea. You know, I've had Rand Paul on the show several times, and he has basically said to the Senate for a year and a half now, hey, can we just get some receipts? Does anyone know where? We're just handing them cash, right? And we're finding out that that cash might be used for weapons. It might be used to pay pensions for people that live in Ukraine, government workers, all sorts of craziness. The, the second point on that, though, is that that is actually radically different. And again, whether you agree with foreign aid or not, it's very different with funding to Israel. Israel, it's all itemized because it all has to go to military. So when we give, give in essence, Israel... Uh, let's say a billion dollars or whatever it is. Well, we know X amount goes to the Iron Dome. And by the right. way, it's all, all of their military spending, all the money that we give them for military spending has to be spent in the United States. So in some ways it's welfare for the United States. Again, you can be against all of that in principle, but there's an absolute fundamental difference between saying to somebody, here's the blank check, let's see what happens. Oh, and by the way, it's signed already. You just write the number or we're giving this money and we know you're going to get this many missiles, you're going to get this many this, that, the other thing, Iron Dome, et cetera. So people need to understand that these things have nothing to do with each other. No, they don't. Uh, I want to move to back home to get into some domestic politics for a second. Uh, a lot of new polling out over the weekend. Surprisingly, the big narrative has always been that Trump can't win a general election. Yeah, he's way ahead in the primary. Um, all of these swing states, save Wisconsin, show Trump up outside the margin of error. How do you think that that changes, if at all, the, the, the race right now? Well, it seems to me that connecting this to the previous story, they're getting ready to get rid of Biden. I think it's happening one way or another. I said it the day he was voted in. I said he would not be the nominee the second time around, uh, whether it was health or whatever else. But it seems to me that right now the radicals, Obama's got some kind of plan. That's, by the way, why David Axelrod, former Obama guy this weekend, yeah. basically said Biden should get out. Uh, who was the other guy? Uh, not David Frum. There was another big guy in Dan that Pfeiffer. world. Yeah. 
Right. So you can see it. They're seeding the ground, right? It's not like David Axelrod, who I think was Obama's chief of staff, would suddenly be like, oh, Biden's old, like saying it having nothing to do with Barack Obama. So I think what's happening here is they're starting to see these polls and they're trying to seed the ground and they don't like him on, let's say he's not radical enough for them on, on this Gaza nonsense. So they're trying to figure out how to get rid of him. I, I think the issue for the Trump voters still has to be, and I've said this all along, and remember, Sean, if Trump is the nominee, I'm voting for him. Not right. a problem. But the issue is, if you if they're showing you polls that now show you that Trump is winning in these places, Trump believes and has made the argument of for now over two years that the election was stolen. Why would they not steal it again? So it's very odd to me if that is your the position of Donald Trump and the position of so many of his supporters. Well, it might be nice to see those numbers, but if you believe they did it once, why wouldn't they do it again? So I, I think there's a lot of, there's a, there's a big well, mess we'll here. But, but you know, go ahead. So, so pull that string a little bit. So if, if yes, he's up in these polls, they're going to, they claim, they make claims about the 2020 election. So what would you think happens that, I guess what I'm asking you is play this out for a second. So that, what, do you think this is a rope-a-dope, get you to think that you're ahead and then quote, steal it again? I, I don't know exactly what the answer to that is, other than it seems to me that there is no one on the Republican side more beatable than Donald Trump, which is why the media, you know, there's these these ridiculous case court cases, federal court cases and all the other stuff than the New York case and everything that he's going through. But the media is kind of laying off Trump. It's, it's sort of like they kind of want him. We know his negatives are super high. You have to wonder. I mean, this is just an important thing for the Trump base to think about. Who are the new Trump voters? So even if you don't think the election, you either think the election was stolen or you think it wasn't. But if you think it wasn't, well, where are the new voters? That One of my big arguments for DeSantis this whole time, who, by the way, as you know, today is getting the endorsement Kim of Kim Reynolds, the very popular governor in Iowa. So I think Iowa uh, is going to shock a lot of people, but we can put that aside for now. Uh, but one of the key things in me sort of backing DeSantis has been not only, I think, are the policies, right? And he's younger and all that stuff. And we've seen the results in Florida, but we know he can get crossover people. If I was to tell you, Sean, and this is just anecdotal, but there's a lot of empirical evidence on this as well. The amount of people who I meet in Florida from New York and Cali who are the most red Republicans, who are, were lifelong Democrats, it's all of my neighbors. It's many of the people <laughs> that moved here with me. It's me. I'm a first-time Republican, believe it or not, here in Florida. So DeSantis, to me, can bring a, a new coalition in. Trump has to figure that out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's let's unpack this for a second. I want to talk about Iowa, as you put it. And then I also want to talk to you about Nikki Haley. But let's start with Iowa. I have said for a long time, uh, if you go, let's work backwards. I think Nikki Haley and Tim Scott all in in South Carolina. I actually don't think both of them will be standing by the time we get there. That's another story. In New yeah. Hampshire, Chris And Christie's that's very confusing, in. right? Because you've got a governor and a senator, senator that senator. are there already. So that, that state, whatever happens, almost is sort of largely irrelevant in a way. Right. But point is, 
if you don't do really well there, you're out. And I don't think both one, I think my guess is total side note. I think Tim Scott is out before he gets there as a sitting Senator to get shellacked in your own state would be an embarrassment. He'll drop out before then. That's my prediction there. New Hampshire, Chris Christie, all in there, but let's bow back to Iowa. I've said from the beginning and no one's denied this. I mean, on either team that Pence and, and DeSantis were all in on Iowa. I've talked to DeSantis's team. They don't, they agree. They think he has to do really well. Obviously, Pence moving way backwards and decided to drop out, I think, smartly because he was going to get his clock clean. DeSantis and his team, as I said, are all in in Iowa, right? He's going to get this endorsement from Kim Reynolds today. She is wildly popular. The, so if DeSantis doesn't win, let's just start it with this in Iowa. Do you agree that that's kaputs for him? Well, I wouldn't say kaputs, but I think it's, I think it's clearly the big move for him, right? Like, so if, if you if you agree with the basic notion that the DeSantis campaign has not been as exciting as the DeSantis governorship here in Florida, which I think most people do. He, I, he's I, been, I think, uh, look, just for the record, yeah. I agree with you. I think he's done a phenomenal job as governor. Uh, he, he's a, he, I, I love not only how he's taken on policies, but he's taken on the media, the woke culture. So I, I, am a, I, I think he has done a phenomenal job as governor. Yeah, Just look, there's be- a weird there's a weird thing here happening with DeSantis because if you remove Trump right now, if Trump had just decided not to run, first off, MAGA base loved DeSantis before this. They hate him now, but by the way, if he ends up being the nominee, Trump I think would do the right thing and, and get them behind him for the most part. Um, but there's a very weird thing going on right now because if Trump wasn't running, DeSantis is the best Republican candidate we've had since Reagan by far. Not, not only because of the results, but the policies, the youth, the family, like he, he is the the best guy in the right time. And, and I think a lot of MAGA people will, will say that privately. They're just not going to say it publicly. But that's not the situation we're in. Trump is running and he's done a kind of salted earth thing with DeSantis. So he never got the real momentum, apparently, right. that, that I would have liked to have seen or a lot of people would have liked to see. So yes, it puts undue importance on Iowa. As you know, you can win Iowa or lose Iowa and it doesn't prove anything. Ted Cruz won Iowa and Donald Trump went to be went to be the nominee. So anything can happen. But yes, DeSantis is going to all 99 counties. I think he's been to like 88 of them already. Uh, he's drawing big crowds everywhere. Let's not forget Trump, who claims he's up by 50 points. Uh, he's attacking DeSantis all day, every day, including today because of this uh, the endorsement by Kim Reynolds. So I think there's some other stuff going on that is happening on the ground. And I think a lot of people are going to be shocked. Uh, but I could be wrong. It's politics. Sean, you know, occasionally some people are wrong when they, uh, when they try to guess what's going to happen in politics, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Look, the thing about Iowa is it's all about organization. And I, having been out there, uh, I think both DeSantis and Trump have had a phenomenal ground game operation. You're talking about 50,000 people that will determine the winner. I mean, in terms of that's, if you can get 50,000 people to show up for you and, and commit on a caucus night to stay there, you'll probably win. And that's a big, and, and DeSantis' team and the super PAC has been going all in on that. So I, when you're talking about that small number of people, Anything can happen. And that's where I think DeSantis's team is really banking on this organizational aspect of it. But let me, let me kind of pull this out for a second. So I agree with you. DeSantis, like Trump, the thing that I, I said to Trump a long time ago, everyone's campaigning about what they would do and talking about policies of the Trump administration. You are Trump. The smart thing is don't attack them. Don't, you don't have to go after them. Just say, you know, if you care about pro-life judges, here's what I did. If you care about, 
growing the economy. Here's what I did. If you, if you care about, I mean, boom, 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 boom. You did it. You don't have to make a promise about what you will do. You can say, look at my record. Similarly, DeSantis in Florida has just knocked it out of the park with both how he handled COVID, how he took on Disney, how he handled education. I mean, he is uh, proving over and over again that it's not theory, it's reality, it's in practice. I say all that because when you look at not just a lot of these early state polls, but Iowa specific, it's Nikki Haley that seems to be getting the momentum. Why do you think that is? You know, it's a little, I, I'm not a big fan of polls in general, but but going on the premise that, you, that you're laying out there, I would suspect if she's gaining a little bit, and I happen to personally like her, uh, I think she would be a very fine vice president. By the way, she did an incredible job as U.S. ambassador at the U.N. under Trump. Um, she's a little more uh, neocon-ish than I am personally. But but that aside, I think perhaps if she's gaining momentum right now, it's because of the first topic that we started with. Because, you know, she's been raising the alarm on Iran for a long, long time. I think a lot of people are realizing that, again, this, this issue that we're dealing with worldwide right now is not just... Israel and Hamas, there is a much bigger thing at play. And if you believe there is a much bigger thing at play, you want people who understand the geopolitics of it. So I think, you know, her best moment so far, I think it was at the last debate over at the Reagan ranch was when Vic, Vivek and her were getting into it right. and about foreign <laughs> policy. And she, I think she said, I, I want to get the quote basically right. She said, every time I listen to you, I get stupider because he just <laughs> kind of, he kind of puts out these vague platitudes about everything. You know, a 38 year old who's never been in politics. And I'm not saying being in politics makes you a perfect politician, but she's been in the belly of the beast fighting right. at the UN for Trump. That's also one of the odd things with the, with the base Trump people with Nikki Haley. It's like nobody did more for the foreign policy that you guys loved. Because the thing is, to be a more isolationist, which Trump is, you have to carry a big stick, speak softly and carry a big stick. That's what Nikki Haley and Trump did. So there's a weird disconnect with the Trump people and Nikki, which I think has a little something to do with one comment from January 6th or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Well, I also, but I, I bring, I, I prefaced all that because I think that's interesting is that Nikki gets credit, to your point, for a lot of rhetoric. DeSantis has actually done it, right? He can say, I did this on education. I protected, you know, uh, girls in, in team, you know, playing in girls sports. I yep. did this for the economy. I took on Disney. I did this during COVID. And Governor Haley, it's all theory. No one's talking about her record as governor or her record as UN ambassador. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me, um, the, the, the disconnect between how people are judging them. But I, anyway, so I'll, I'll end by this. We have a debate Wednesday night. Do you think that there's, with these two candidates, the only thing I think that matters in terms of people are asking how important is this debate is I think it is a little bit of a show now between Haley and DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's basically where we're at. Um, one of them will be the last person standing to go against Trump. I think I think Haley Vivek, because he's self-funded in many ways, and DeSantis, all, they all get to Iowa. I think you're right. Tim Scott may not even get there. Maybe maybe he gets to Iowa. It's sort of irrelevant at this point. And that's it, right? So so you're going to see a lot of fireworks between, uh, between Nikki and DeSantis. And, you know, 
I think generally speaking, the, the Republican base that is looking to vote is going to be a little bit more. DeSantis has won these debates. I, look, I'm not pretending I'm not a DeSantis guy, but he has won these debates. You're right. He just has to turn to results. And even, even in these last few weeks, where obviously as governor of Florida, your, your, lead, your lead issue is not foreign policy. But what did he immediately do? He immediately made sure we sent, I think, three planes to pick up yep. Americans in Israel who were trapped. Like that's what the federal government should do. He did it. What else did he do? He sent supplies to Israel from Florida to help them on the ground and medical supplies and a whole bunch more. What else did he do? He immediately, when we had Hamas rallies here at public universities, he immediately, not infringed on their free speech, he said, you guys are providing material support for a terrorist, a terrorist organization. You can't do it. He's doing everything right. And I think if he just keeps leaning into that, it still doesn't deal with the X factor related to Trump, but you know, two months is a long time. We're still two months away I, from the first primary. Lord help us all. I know. Dave Rubin, Shoney, are you going to be in Miami for the debate? I can't. I have a, a hot yoga appointment that I cannot miss. <laughs> these, you know, these scheduling things, uh, you know, 48, you know, um, I'm oh, not going to be. I was going to open up a great bottle of tequila for you. You know, actually, let me think about this. Oh, I may be able to reschedule some things. Uh, I would love to be down there. I, I actually, of all the places, considering you and everyone else who's down there, let me see what, uh, what I can yeah, do. Yeah. Listen, hot yoga. You could sit in my backyard in the sun for yeah, a half that's hour. True. It's, it's Florida. You'll sweat. Yeah, you're good. Don't worry. That's true. Dave Rubin, welcome back to the United States. Great to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, my friend. That was a fun conversation. Way to kick off the week. Dave always brings his A game. It's good to have him back in the States. Uh, if you don't follow him on Instagram, check out some of the stuff that he posted. Uh, seems like a really fun event over there uh, across the pond with Dave Rubin, Ben Shapiro, others. I must have, you know, he invited me to Miami, but where was my invite to London? That's what I wanted to do. That seemed really fun. I want to walk through some of these polls, though, because as you guys know, there's a major media narrative, and actually not just among the media, but among the never Trumpers, that Trump can't, you know, he can win a primary, but he can't win the general. Really? Okay. In five of the swing states that were polled, North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Trump is up. And he's within the margin of error in the one that he's not, which is Wisconsin. That was 0.15. That's going to be a close state regardless. Uh, we've seen that over the last several cycles. So that's a big deal. In North Carolina, he is up over five points. In Georgia, um, he's up four. In Nevada, 10 points. Unbelievable. In Michigan, he's up. This, if you actually look at the states that he's up in, this would get him to 301 electoral votes. That's, there you go, Biden at 235. He's winning. And so for all of these bedwetters on the Republican side, they said, oh, Trump can't win. He can't. Now, move on to your next argument if you don't want him. I get it. But here's the reality. The idea that he can't win is out the door. The Democrats, David Axelrod and others, you heard Dave talk about this. Go read David Axelrod's Twitter. They're basically putting this on, on, on Biden and saying, hey, dude, you're losing. You will be responsible if he wins. The two big things that came out of these polls, are the number one issue is the economy. No shocker there, despite the media trying to say, I can't believe it. The economy is great. It's not great for a lot of people. And the media who love to sit around and go to their cocktail parties with each other, don't understand that for so many Americans, rising interest rates, et cetera, um, are, are things that affect their take-home pay, their ability to put food on the table, to save for a vacation, to pay for their kids' education. Um, and inflation is still hitting them hard. Anyway, 
that's the thing. The other issue, and that can be fixed, right? You could, it could get turned around. But the biggest driver is Biden's age. And you can't turn that around unless you're Benjamin Button. You're not going to get younger. And he's going to have more gas and more falls and remind people that he's old. And the American people get it and Democrats get it. They don't want this. The erosion is among his own people, by the way. It's, you know, he's getting killed. Minority groups, younger voters, they're all walking away from him. It was funny. They had this uh, member, Democratic member of Congress from Texas on, I think it was State of the Union with Dana Bash on CNN. And she says, the reason that Trump is now getting 22% of the black vote is because he gave them checks. Really? I don't, A, if that had been anyone else to say that, it would have been outrageous, right? He gave them checks. Uh, anyway, but tomorrow's also election day in Virginia, by the way. Big, big, for, for those of us who live here, uh, Republicans control the House of Delegates, Democrats control the state Senate, both by a narrow margin. Abortion is by far the biggest thing. I wrote an op-ed in The Hill. I said that the way Republicans were handling this was not the right way. They should be on offense, not defense. We'll see if I was right tomorrow, though. Uh, I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. I really do, because I want Republicans to win back uh, the state Senate, hold the House of Delegates, and allow Governor Yunkin to drive through his agenda. He's been very active on this. I'll give him a lot of credit for the amount of money that he's put on the table to help these key races throughout the Commonwealth, but whatever. In Ohio, a big constitutional amendment on the ballot there as well about whether abortion will be enshrined as a constitutional right there. Elections in Kentucky and Mississippi, those will be, we'll break it all down for you. Don't worry on Wednesday morning, uh, but tomorrow is election day there. Anyway, um, it has been, it'll be a very busy week politically. Don't worry about that between our guests and what happened on election night and debate prep. Again, sign up now. You'll hear our insight analysis and you get to you know, feel very smart. I actually be interested to see how NBC does. Uh, the RNC, by the way, did announce the next debate after that will be in Alabama in early December. We'll go from there. Anyway, um, as I said, Ron Johnson joining us tomorrow. That'll be big. Debate prep is back. If you have any questions, feel free to text me, 571-441-4991. Thank you for joining us today and kicking off your week with us. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of The Sean Spicer Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.